It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, Let's go in the lab. You hear the laughter, the bubbling potions, and now it's time for me, Drew Doherty, and John Harris to talk a little Texans, to go in the lab. John, it's nice to go in the lab with a little bit of an off week, a little bit of a respite of sorts, is it not? But we never take a respite. Ever. From in the lab. No. Never. Never. No doubt. We're going to do this in the off season. We do this in the regular season. And we're going to have a good time today because I want to start off with number 99. Number 99 has nine sacks through nine games. It's all very symmetrical, right? Hey, wait, John, but before we get going, I want to remind folks, you can listen on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And if you listen on iTunes, please... Leave us one of those star ratings. We'd love a five-star rating. And also leave a comment because we want to get better. We want you to love us. Most of all, though, we just want you to listen. I like symmetry. There's something about, and, you know, it's funny you bring that up because last night when I did Texans Replay, at play number nine, I did number 99 with his ninth sack. It just seemed to fit. It's perfect. Yeah. I knew you'd like the symmetry because— I love the symmetry. When you and I walk back from practice— uh, over the bridge mm-hmm. and into the stadium. I try to step on every single crack I can don't, because don't, no, you no. jump over every <laughs> single crack, and so it's just like my little way to goose you. It's one of the fun things we do. You know, we're bros. And, uh, you, you noticed that. It was funny. Yeah. You noticed that before anybody else. I For some reason, I cannot stand like when I walk. Like I'll walk not in a straight line, but I, I will – walk out of line just so I avoid the cracks in the sidewalk as much as I can. I run the same way. Yeah. Like, I run. When I run on the street, I can I'll be like, dangerous. Yeah, Because be. I ran a lot uh, in my younger days, mm-hmm. and, yeah, that could be very dangerous. I don't run fast enough for it to be a danger, I don't think. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm very quirky that way. Okay, so let's, let's just recap. He has nine sacks. He has 85 in his career, and he's now there career-wise where you got to start looking at the list because <laughs> – he was tied on the all-time sacks list before the game started with Howie Long and Greg Ellis. Wow. Okay? With that sack, it was one whole sack, and you can have a half sack. With that whole sack, he passed James Harrison, who was a half sack ahead of him. And James Harrison played forever. That's right. And he tied O.C. Umanyora. Pretty darn good player. Wow, yeah. Um, there's a lot of pretty good Names ahead of him. He's like around 53rd on the list, 52nd on the list all time. But um, he picks up like three or four more sacks, which I think he's going to, and we're going to get into that in a moment. He's going to pass some more big names. It's really going to be fun to see who he passes once the season, who he's passed once the season is over. But, John, we can both agree, 2012, 13, 14, and 15, the zenith of his career, the sweet spot of his career. He was a rookie in 11, was figuring things out, and in December of 11, it all came together, and he started on his upward ascent. Yep. Okay? But full seasons, it was that four-year span because in 16 and 17, left about five, six games in because of injury. Yep. Greatest defensive player on the planet, maybe the best player on the planet in that four-year span. But after nine weeks, John, we're going to break things down here. In 12, he had 10 and a half sacks. He's got nine now. He finished with 20 and a half sacks. So he's a sack and a half back. In 13, had six and a half sacks at that point. Finished with ten and a half sacks that wow. year. That was a low 
low year statistically, but he was still just a dominant force. I think he was even better in 13. He was amazing. He I was think amazing. he was even better in 13 than he was in 12, and I know it sounds weird. He had 20 sacks in 12. Listen, yeah. it's not really all about the sacks, but by 2013, everybody knew, you better block 99 or you're not moving the football if, at all. If you'd have given him the Defensive Player of the Year award that year, you wouldn't have been off. No, you wouldn't he have. Been, he was very deserving. If if you wanted to say, if you wanted to argue, well, how can you be the MVP on a tune 14 team? Okay, I can understand yeah. that. But if you want to give most outstanding defensive player, I can absolutely love question. I thought in 2013 he was even better at times he was in 2012. And that defense as a whole played pretty well. You know, that the problems yeah. that year were pick sixes, turnovers yeah. on offense, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, yeah. but anyway. closing out games, things like that. So ten and a half, six and a half at, at the nine week point. At in fourteen, eight and a half sacks. So he's a half sack ahead of the year he was an absolute okay. alien. And he finished with twenty and a half, and then he also caught. He scored five touchdowns that year. It was a phenomenal year. Fifteen, nine and a half sacks. So he's a half sack behind that that pace, and he finished with seventeen and a half sacks. So, in his four year stretch where he was at his peak, which is the way he's playing right now, mm-hmm. he averaged eight point seven five sacks after nine weeks. So he's a little bit ahead of that schedule. Right. Right. On the whole, he would finish that four year on average, was 17.25 sacks. So, if he just kind of holds with what he's doing, you're going to see him probably get about 17.5 sacks. But you also got to remember, John, he's playing Andrew Luck once more. He's playing Blake Bortles probably once more. Yeah. And those are the two quarterbacks that he sacked the most in his career. So, good chance he's right around 20 sacks again if he keeps up what he's been doing. Okay, first of all, Let's just say that JJ gets a double. I mean, but I, I don't want to put the cart. I mean, yeah, we are. But that's the what thing we're doing. is the thing that we're the thing that we're doing with JJ Watt now, which I think is insane, is we bring up a twenty sack season like that's the norm. Twenty sack seasons are not the norm. No, JJ Watt has made it the norm for him. Think which about is the guys just, that have done that. It's Strahan Watt. Lawrence Taylor, I believe. I think Justin do? Houston did it Justin once. Houston. It's, once. It's, a, once. it's a small list. Those he's guys only, did it all once. He's the only guy to do it twice, I right. believe. Right, yeah. exactly. And so he has set a bar like, oh, 20 sacks. I mean, 20 sacks. Good grief. I mean, it's amazing to think about. And you just said, go back to your note, Drew, if you don't uh-huh. mind. No problem. You just said he passed Howie Long. He was tied Tied, with tied. Howie Long and Greg Ellis, who was okay. a, he, had, he put together a, and a Greg Ellis cobbled a, together a good side, right, right, right. but he passed Hall of he was with How, Hall of Famer Howie Long and passed him. He passed James Harrison, and now he's tied with Osu Manure. Okay, now James Harrison. It took a little while for James Harrison to get his career going, but then it felt like James Harrison played for about eight thousand decades, and he was a, he was a one time at least defensive player of the year. And Howie Long was more DT than he was right. DE, so his. So sack sometimes for a DT, you look at it and go, wow, he was that good playing. De-. Now, he did play some defensive end, defensive tackle, you know, whatever. I just wrote down, as, as you were talking, I was writing down the number of games that J.J. played. So he played the first 11 through 15. So those first one, two, three, four, five years, he played 16 games. I'm not kind of playoff games because playoff right. games don't count on our numbers. Then he played three and 16, four and 17, and nine and 18. So that comes out to a perfect 16. So he's only played six Full, full seasons, seasons. Yeah. six full seasons. Now I know the injuries take their toll. I, I get all that, but in six full seasons, he has gone past a guy like Howie Long, who played a decade 
or more. I'm trying. I, I can't remember exactly how long he played. Greg Ellis played for at least a decade, and then you had a guy like James Harrison who played forever. So he's only played six years, and he's done all of that, and he's set a standard of well, yeah, you get to 20 sacks. That's the company that he keeps. Now, last year, the sack leader, I believe, was Chandler Jones. I believe it was Chandler Jones. I know he was the tackle for loss leader. Yeah, I, I think. And I that, think you're right about yeah. I think that he was. Uh, it may have been. Uh, I don't think Aaron Donald actually was the guy, but he. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Chandler Jones with the sacks. But either way, it was like a 16 or 17. It was not a. It was not a 20 number. I know. I know still that. Still very impressive. It's still a pretty impressive number. It's a sack a game. But if JJ is and stays on on average, yeah, Chandler Jones led with 17. 17. Great season. I mean, he is a heck of a player. That's what J.J. averaged better than that over that four-year span. Yeah. yeah. So Chandler Jones got the 17. Second place was a tie between Clayus Campbell and Demarcus Lawrence at 14 and a half. <sighs> so J.J. gets the 17, 17 and a half. There's a good chance he's going to lead the league in sacks again. That's coming off what he had to deal with in 2015 with the back and the core, what he had to deal with with his leg injury last year in 2017. It's been phenomenal. And not only that, when he had that run against the Giants of three sacks, and then the next week was Indianapolis, and he had another couple where he stripped the ball, he got the Andrew Luck. Teams started saying, well, okay, we've been double-teaming Clowney, and now we got to go double-team Watt, and now all of a sudden here comes Clowney. And now they're going kind of back and forth. Uh-huh. And so the other day, Watt gets one, Clowney gets one. Merciless gets yep. pressure. It's kind of the, it's the, gorgeous. the jam it's band we, is working all together, which is what we wanted. It's what we envisioned wanted. in 2014. But to think about J.J. Watt doing it after those two injuries. And, and that's the thing. Clowney had two years of injuries, then he had to prove it after that. And he was the opposite, where J.J. proved it, and then it was like, oh, man, the injuries, what are they going to take away from? Clowney had two years where people were still questioning him, and then all of a sudden he turned it on. So – you got the two working together. I thought there was a really cool moment the other day in a game when Clowney got his sack. They the work the way they worked that sack. JJ was coming off the left side, and they chipped on JJ. And Clowney went inside, and he just whipped Max Garcia. And the center couldn't get over fast enough because I think they were going to double team Clowney. And then Clowney went from beating Garcia to Keenum like in a quick minute. Like yep. I was the fastest I've ever seen. So Clowney makes the sack, and then you see Watt just throw his arms up in the air. And, like, as excited for him as he would be if J.J. Sure. got the sack. And then when J.J. got his sack, Clowney went over, like, the first one to pat him on the head. I just – I love the way that they're playing together. I love the way that Whitney fits into all this and how he's been playing. Even though the sack numbers haven't been there, Whitney has been getting plenty of you pressure. You need a steadiness like that yes. in what he's doing. You absolutely. Need that, absolutely. And I, I love it. But to think about the number of sacks that they've, they've, they've come up with, especially J.J., and to think of the standard that he has set – where people go, hey, he didn't get to 20. It's not a great year. Are you, okay. Are you kidding me? I got two more numbers for you. Okay, go we'll ahead. talk about standards he set. So you, you brought up a very key point there with if he's played essentially six seasons because of right. the games played. Games played, yeah. So if you take out if – you, if, you, if, you, if you make it those six seasons, he has 85 career sacks. You divide that by six, that's 14 and change per season. Yeah. So obviously that, that number goes down because it's actually eight. So it's really – he's still averaging 10 – Sacks right. per se- ten plus sacks a season, but if it's really just in a per season on, on a per sixteen game basis, he's averaging over fourteen sacks a year. And then on top of that, if you take the three seasons in which he won the Defensive Player of the Year award, yeah, which was two thousand twelve, two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, 
He averaged 19 and a half sacks those years. So, he and he's on kind of on a pace to to come right right at that. Okay, so let's play football. Let's play football nerd. Let's go in the lab. Play I thought football that's nerd. what we've been doing for the last. No, no, no. no I, I know we have. Okay, yeah. I want to. I want to go. But we were playing numerical nerds. Let's do it, Poindexter. Okay. Let's go X's and O nerds. Okay. Okay. So you're facing the Texans. <laughs> And you're you're the you're you're the Redskins, you're the Titans, you're the Browns, you're the Colts, Mom Spaghetti, you're the Jets, you're the uh, Eagles, you're the Jags. Yep. One game with those seven teams going through. Mm-hmm. Which which guy do you double team? Which guy do you double team? Watt, Clowney, Merciless. I mean it. It doesn't matter because it's. I don't think teams are gonna. I don't think teams are gonna double Whitney. Um, and I think that's going to be foolhardy because I think Wit can then pile up sacks. I think Wit gets his pressure in sacks and bunches. It's like, do you want to get shot by a machine gun or do you want to get shot by a sniper rifle? That's which what, one I'm, that's what I'm asking you. It's, which one? You're dead either way. Which one do you want? Do you want uh, it do you matter. want the Watt gun? You want the clowny gun? Do you want the merciless gun? Like which one? Which one do you want? Which one do you? Okay, which one do you have to double? That's that's the beauty of your question time. because there's each answer is wrong. You know, right. each answer is wrong, and that's that's the beauty. Of this question, so I don't I mean it's kind of gone back and forth because what we saw earlier in the year was I think teams wanted Watt almost to prove it, mm-hmm. and he's proved and it. I think from the second half of the New England game going forward, even the Tennessee game, I mean Tennessee just realized we're not going to get the ball off if we if, right. he, if we got to send Blaine Gabbert back in the pocket five seven steps five or seven steps he's going to die. So we've got a quick – and so they, they dropped back like four or five times in that game, which J.J. pointed out in that game. The next week, J.J. gets the three sacks, and a lot of times the Giants were devoting to Clowney, and then Watt just went you know, ape nuts over on Chad Wheeler, and it was like, whoa. So Indianapolis at that point is like, mm, how are we going to do this? Indianapolis went a little bit more one-on-one with, with both of them, actually, and then they started chipping on Clowney a little bit more, and then obviously Watt got back there. And made his place. From that point forward, I think Watt has gotten a lot of the double teams. But Clowney gets them just because he lines up in a lot of different spots. And they don't know what to do. And they're not totally sure what to do. And so It creates confusion. Yeah, a lot of two interior guys are going to stop Clowney. And and try try and stop Clowney. And I think that that to me is kind of the fun in all this. Is that J.J. likes rushing from the, the, the outside. Which is completely fine. He'll rush from the inside when needed, but he'll rush from the outside. But Clowney and Merciless, they can swap and they can do some different mm-hmm. things. And the thing I love about it, Drew, is when you do that and you're like, okay, well, Clowney's going to rush from the inside. Whitney's going to be on the outside. And you think, oh, yeah, but what if they run the ball? Okay, and? They're right there clogging they're, I mean, things up. Clowney anyways, can yeah. clog things up and play the run inside as well as anybody. Clowney Wit sets will the embarrass edge. you in the run game. Clowney will embarrass embarrass you so will jj but it's it's like a different type of yeah, embarrassment with Clowney. Like, yeah because he'll not just embarrass you there's a good chance you're going to get hurt yeah there's a really good <laughs> chance you were going to get hurt yeah and that goes for the running backs carrying the ball that goes for the fullback who's trying to block that goes for the the offensive lineman up front he will embarrass you these three guys and playing together i think it's it's made it's made the first nine weeks when the defense goes on the field i'm so curious as to where everybody lines up and how they're lining everybody up. There was a set the other day they lined up, and it was Watt on the outside, and then it was BMAC on the outside. So it was Watt and BMAC on the outside. And then the inside was Reader 
and I can't remember who else it was. It may have been Reeder and Cove, and the inside linebackers were Clowney and Peters. Mm-hmm. Now, that typically would be Zach, but Zach's been hurt, and hopefully we'll get him back because I think Zach's as much as Swiss Army knife for what he can do. Not so much lining up and rushing off the edge and things like that, but Zach can blitz. He can match up with running backs. And so, to me, Zach ends up being a really interesting peg in this off in this defense. But what I have said, I said this a couple years ago, and I emphasized it even more this past year, I feel like this is a positionless defense, which yeah, you're, that's you're all I've ever you're wanted. You're seeing that in the secondary. You're seeing that up front. I that's, mean, it's, that's all I've ever wanted. Is and, and I thought it could be, and, and hopefully years down the road, some brilliant, sage, wise football writer will look back at this defense and say, you know what, that was the defense that sort of changed things because Clowney has no position. What, what you would say is a defensive end, but after that, you know, Zach Cunningham lines up inside, but he lines up outside. BMAC lines up inside, but he lines up outside. Uh, DJ Reader is not so much a nose tackle as he is just a defensive lineman because he can play a 3-4 defensive end. He can play a 3-4 nose. Um, you've got uh, those two guys. Then you got a guy like Duke Edgefor who comes in and plays over the guard. He can play outside. Well, I, and I play hope inside. Brennan Scarlett has been outside and inside. I hope Edgefor is okay because yeah. he left and it looked like looked like he, what kind of sideline him. Over the spring, yeah, and I and, and hopefully he's going to be all right. I'm not a doctor, with that. but that's just a guess. No, and, and I hope you're right about that because I think, and that's to my point that Duke is a is a big part of that, and these guys just move around and can line up in so many different spots and do so many different things that as they have learned the defense and they know the basics of the defense and they know them like the back of their hand, now they've got some wrinkles in there where they can. They can line up Clowney and Watt on the same side. Let Merce, uh, let Merciless go one on one. Because what have we seen over the last four or five years under Romeo Cornell? The defense getting much better in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what we're seeing a trend towards right now. Absolutely, and I think that's that's the part that I love coming out of these last seven weeks. Then you've got to me, you got the three home games. So if the defense is in its groove, and you're playing at home, and this crowd is jacked up, and you got to go to the silent count. You could be in a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. You could be in a big time world of hurt against this defense, and that makes everything a little bit easier for the secondary. Now you're talking about the three AFC South home games, right? No, I'm just talking about the three home games after Washington. You got three straight home games after Washington. Do we have four with the Browns. We've got we've got Washington on the road, right? But Browns, Colts, Titans, Jags. No, it's no, it's t- well, yeah, I'm talking three in a row. Oh, three in a row. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm talking sorry, three sorry. in a row gotcha. at home. Yeah. So you're talking about those three where you play Titans on Monday I was night. I the sodium chloride over there. That's so, all right. Yeah. That's okay. Um, but I'm talking about those three where that's that's groove time right there. Yeah. That's groove time because you're going to face Marcus Mariota, which is tough, but Marcus has proved in this building that that noise gets to him. And, this has and been a house some of, of the disguises and things that the Texans throw at Mariota, they, they trouble him. Then you've got Baker Mayfield coming in here, a rookie coming in facing that defense. And then you've got Andrew Luck coming in here who, yes, did have a good afternoon. And I would guarantee you going into that game, this defense will have something to prove against Andrew Luck. They, yes, the Colts are going to be on fire at that point, and I understand that. But in their minds, Andrew Luck putting up 34 on them, that was that was slightly embarrassing for them, yeah. for, to, for him to put up those that amount of points 
that amount of yards on them, I would guarantee you that group will be as fired up for that one as any game they're going to play during the last seven games of the year. Okay, let's turn the page Okay, and let's do a quick hitter. I'm going to give you four names, Okay, and I want you to project what you see happening with them okay. the rest of the way. They're all offensive names. They're all pretty young. Deontay Foreman, Kiki QT, and the two tight ends, Thomas and Akins. Ooh. What do we got going on with them? Well, I think with Deontay, that's going to be – that's I don't want to say the dicey one, but it, I, we just don't really know when they're projecting him to come back. And I think when they do come back, what people have got to keep in mind, we get this, we get asked this question on Cooler Talk every single week on Deer yeah. Drew as well. I just I just shot yeah. a Deer Drew. It'll be up later today. I mean, it's it's almost become kind of a running joke. Everybody wants to see Deontay it's, form, and I get it. I, totally, I but yeah, it's not. A, totally it's not it. a dumb question. No, it's not. It's not. People uh, and they're excited about him because of what sure, they saw at the end of last year, as it should be. But. I don't want to temper the excitement, but I do want to temper the expectation because he's coming off an Achilles tendon. Yeah. That is not the easiest injury to come back from, especially when you're a 230, 235-pound big running back. But if he is healthy and he is in condition, then you add him to the mix with Blue and with Lamar. It's a shot in the arm, man. And I think with the way that this team would like to run the ball, if you can get 10 to 12 carries for each guy, and each guy is fresh. We talked to Danny Barrett about that, about keeping guys fresh. And there's there's kind of an art to it. And I think that he's got a really good handle for, okay, hey, let's go. And he and he tells Bill O'Brien, hey, we're going to go with Lamar here. We're going to go with, with Alfred. So I think keeping guys fresh. And to keep in mind, the Eagles last year won a championship with LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, and Corey Clement. Mm-hmm. And they all played a significant role going down the stretch. So if Deontay is healthy, it doesn't mean that Miller and Blue just go to the wayside at all. In fact, I think they get emphasized. So I think Foreman steps in early on. There may not be a lot of carries, but he can kind of build into a lather that, you know, hopefully by December and January, he's feeling pretty good that maybe he's the hot hand in a game. Maybe it's Lamar. Maybe it's Alfred. What I what I can't wait when he comes back, and, if, and he's kind of back close to what we saw last year, I can't wait to see him with Watson – when pass protection breaks down and Watson gets loose, because that's when Deontay Foreman did some of his biggest yeah. damage. Yeah, you know? he did. And then I think the other aspect of it is uh, with short yardage runs. Yeah, I think Deontay's got a good a He's good a feel, a He's good a feel for it. It's not that Alfred doesn't. I mean, the other day there was fourth and one. Or, oh, Alfred, no. then well, that play was some blocks kind of got yeah yeah some blocks got missed and and Alfred, Alfred had nothing dead, dead in the water. I think Alfred's come a long way. I think really has. But this discussion is about Deontay, and I think when he comes back, just keep in mind what the Eagles did. Now, Kiki QT, I think ends up being if fully healthy, as important a piece for this offense as anybody you mentioned, as anybody going forward, not named. You know, maybe Watson Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, look, DeAndre's going to get his his targets. That's why I didn't even bring him up because yeah. we know what he is. DeAndre, but, Demarius Thomas is going to do something, but QT changes the equation. Yeah, because the reason to me why he changes the equation, Drew, is where he's going to catch the football and what he can do. I think the middle passing game can be something that is then emphasized a little bit more. Shallow crosses, uh, little stick routes, Loosen little it option up, routes, get you seven yards on yeah, first absolutely. down. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Just you know, and then the other things that we saw in Indianapolis, just running those little flip plays to him, just flipping it forward to him when he goes in motion, faking it to him. That alone is is worth the price of admission for Kiki. Now, I don't think he's going to get back to eleven catches or whatever it was that he had against the Colts, but 
You know, it was the second half in which Will Fuller didn't play, but she also didn't have Demarius Thomas either. So I think I think Kiki is as important for a lot of different reasons because your offense evolves so much more. This is what I this is one of the things that I envisioned. You can go one play and you could put Foreman and Lamar in the backfield together. And then you could have Demarius, Kiki, and DeAndre out wide. No tight ends. Love it. Then the very next play, you could bring in the you could bring in three tight ends. Yep. Take off one of the backs, leave DeAndre. Then the next play, you could put in Demarius and, and Hop. Yep. You could put in two tight ends and one back. Or you can just go completely empty and have two tight ends, and you still have a running component if you have the two tight ends in there because you have Deshaun Watson. So you could put trips to one side with Demarius, Kiki, and Hop. You could put the two tight ends on the other side. So how do you? What do you do? See, and, and then you roll Watson with the quarterback run. That's why I brought these four names up yeah. because you started to you started to talk about the tight ends and yeah. at the Greenbrier we saw Jordan Thomas giving the defensive backs for the Texans fits, yeah. absolute fits, especially in the red area. And now over the last two weeks, we've seen that. But yeah. I think that will I think that can and will continue. But I also Got to remind you, this team took Jordan Akins ahead of him yep. for a reason, and I think we're going to see some great stuff from him down the stretch here. I real and I can't wait. I'm with you because I think it's going to be in union with what Thomas is doing, mm-hmm. and I still think you, you can get good stuff out of Griffin. But I'm just so fascinated by these three drafted pass catchers, the two tight ends and QT, and their role in this offense, not just the second half of the season, but in the years to come. John, uh, there's no question. I, I think the biggest thing over the break is. To get Kiki healthy, yep. To get Demarius the basics of the playbook, the playbook. so he's not comfortable. the game plan, but the yeah, playbook, the playbook, yeah. just to get him the basics of everything. And then Tim Kelly said it best. He said, "What do you?" He was asked the other day, "What do you want from your rookie tight ends?" He said, "Just to understand the offense a little bit more." And I think that's that's a huge key. But I really, I'm with you. I think Jordan Aikens, the last seven games of the year, we're gonna we're gonna have a game in which Aikens Griffin. One of those two guys ends up having a six or seven catch mm-hmm. game that they're mm-hmm. just look. You're not going to throw to Hopkins. We're not letting you. And and Kiki's going to get some, and Demaris is going to get some, but they're really going to find an advantage. And I think a great example of what the Texans, how they use personnel, Drew was the touchdown drive after the fumble. I thought it was fascinating how they used the formation to get Hopkins wide open. So. What ended up happening after the fumble is they came out in trips and they put Hopkins in the slot, but he was in the inside slot, so they had trips. Mm-hmm. So he was the third wide receiver. So the second wide receiver was Aikens, and then it was Hop. So I can't remember who. I think it may have been and Demarius. He's, he's such a problem when the the Texans put him in the slot. He's such a problem. So what did the Broncos – how did the Broncos get caught? The way that they, they did not ha- – they had uh, their base defense on the field. And so I don't know if Deshaun checked to it or, or what, but they had Josie Jewell matched up on the number three wide receiver who was DeAndre Hopkins. Runs a speed out. He runs away from Jewell. Easy catch. I mean, stealing yeah. eight yards. So the very next play, the, uh, the very next play was the Hopkins touchdown. So on this play, they move Hop to the other side. And so the way they decided to play it was to play man. They were going to play man bracket Hopkins. So cover one. And this is what the Patriots call it. The Patriots call it one, cover one, double Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And so the way they planned to do it was to have Hopkins over in the, the – Hopkins was in the slot. And they had Adam Pac-Man Jones outside of him. And then the backside safety 
was then responsible for bracketing and being the double. So without with a guy outside of Hopkins, if he goes that way, then the corners got him, right. and he's in, he's in great leverage and position, and he still got some help from the free safety behind him. Then if he goes the other way across the field, the safety is supposed to help out. So you're basically clamping down. You're bracketing him. Yeah. The safety just runs to a spot where he was supposed to go. Whoops. And Hopkins ran to the open spot, and Deshaun saw him. But this... it was just interesting how they were using the formations because what's going to end up happening is that te- some team is going to take away that and do it intelligently. They're going to take two guys to go with Hopkins, and then all of a sudden, what are you going to do? You're going to take Akins, you're going to take Griffin, you're going to yep. take Thomas, you're going to take Damaris. And one of those other guys is going to kind of slide underneath all that wide open because now you've got two guys on Hopkins because you can't make that mistake. You can't leave the, the best wide receiver in the game wide open like the Broncos did. You can't do that. Well, here comes one of the guys crossing. And I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to make a big play because of that, in large part because of how the Broncos screwed it up. Yeah. But that's how Bill O'Brien and the offensive staff have been getting Hopkins free. But teams are going to study and go, no, 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 we can't let that happen. That's when these other guys are really going to step up. If they can beat man coverage, then Deshaun's going to find them. We went in the lab, but you just threw in a telestrator for good measure. All the same. It. How about that? So with the break, are you going to Tahiti or Fiji? I can't remember. You're hopping on the jet. Uh no, I might go to Katie. Katie, okay, yeah, fair enough. Katie. That's good. That's I mean, good. they're all one and the same, right? I myself am going to Laporte for a day. There you go. At night, so That'll be, be on the water. John, it's always great going in the lab with you. Absolutely, brother. And friends, for for all of you listening, we love going in the lab with you. I hope this was fun. Hope this was informative, and we can't wait to talk with you again. Bye.